Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Friday, June 18th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, the podcast that is guaranteed water-resistant up to depths of 100 meters. Yeah, that means this summer you can play it in any pool in almost every <laughs> lake. Why would disintegrate, though, if taken to the bottom of the ocean? Yeah, that's just science. We don't make the rules. So this is a very special episode of What A Day. Tomorrow is the day commemorating an important announcement of freedom in this country that took more than two years to get delivered in every corner of America. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. Let me say that again. All slaves are free. That is the message that Union soldiers delivered to the people of Galveston, Texas on June 19th, 1865, freeing about 250,000 enslaved black people in the state, one of the last to do so. On today's show, we are going to tell you part of the history of how this day became a holiday, Juneteenth, why it took decades for it to spread across the country, and the effort to make it a national holiday. Yeah. So what you heard earlier was a reenactment, of course, but the real event that freed the enslaved in Texas happened more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation and nearly a month after the end of the Civil War. That delay was mainly because Texas didn't officially surrender until June 2nd, 1865. And on top of that, it took time for Union forces to slowly make their way through the South to enforce the law. Galveston was the first stop in Texas by Union forces, who spent six more weeks afterwards traveling the state to declare the enslaved free. But over time, that day in Galveston, June 19th, became known as Juneteenth, or Freedom Day. Today, it's a joyous and important celebration in Black communities around the country. At first, annual festivals were scattered and mostly throughout the South. When freed Black people migrated out of Texas across the country, part of the population shift known as the Great Migration, they carried that tradition with them. But it wasn't until over 100 years later in 1980 that Texas became the first state to recognize Juneteenth as an official holiday. Now, nearly every state has a celebration. Juneteenth is a celebration. As you can see behind me, there's music, there is laughter, there is fun. But over the years, it has evolved to emphasize education and achievement. And this year, perhaps more than ever, it's about change and empowerment. That is just one example of last year's festival coverage. But as you heard, the holiday got a renewed focus on activism as well. It came at a time when Americans across the country protested against the police killings of black people and demanded an end to the systemic racism that is deeply embedded in so many of the country's institutions to this day. And just this week, Congress voted to finally make it a national holiday. To tell us more about this movement and Juneteenth's rise to recognition, we have with us UCLA professor and Nickel Family Endowed Chair in History, Brenda Stevenson. Professor Stevenson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. You're certainly welcome. 
Well, we have a lot to get to, but you know, we'll just start here. So there were many different dates in the process of ending slavery, as we all know. The Emancipation Proclamation happened in 1863, for example. That's the one we all learn about in school. And slaves in Delaware and Kentucky weren't actually freed until the 13th Amendment, uh, which was ratified in December of 1865. So why did Juneteenth stick as the day of freedom? You know, history is really interesting because there are many dates that define, for example, the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, but then whoever sort of promotes, whoever sort of sticks with a particular date, that date oftentimes becomes the date, you know. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing has happened with Juneteenth. And because it was celebrated in Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, um, and then it kind of died away and then it came back again and it, it, it moved with people in the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it moved with people, in the Great Migration, it spread across the nation. And so while you might have had a few people celebrating in New York on this date or in California on that date right. or, you know, and so it became, as it spread with the Great Migration, it became a national um, event and a national date of celebration and commemoration. And you mentioned some of those initial celebrations. Can you talk a little bit about what they actually looked like? When we get to like the first um, uh, Juneteenth celebrations around Galveston and then later in Houston and Dallas and places like that and New Orleans, um, et cetera, these were very large gatherings of people who came together, um, thanked God, usually had a Christian element to it, thanked God profusely for their freedom, thanked the military, thanked Abraham Lincoln, you know, et cetera, gave out a lot of thanks. Then there was also dancing, singing, um, as I said, speeches were given. It was a very, very joyful um, time. And so sometimes there were small groups of people, only a few households, and sometimes there were literally hundreds, if not thousands of people gathered, just depending on what the Black population was at the time in that locale. And we have some wonderful images, drawings, early photographs, um, et cetera. People were their Sunday best, you know, um, drinks would be served, so there was some partying going on, you know, and so. Yeah. I mean, I would, I'd need a drink after all that. Exactly. <laughs> Praising and partying, that's what was happening. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. at the time. <laughs> you mentioned Great Migration is sort of spreading the celebrations throughout the country. How quickly was all of that happening? How quickly was the celebration sort of spreading across the country? Well, the celebrations, you know, um, start and stop in terms of how well they were received also by the larger uh, white community mm -hmm. and, you know, and what the status of black people were in the various communities. And so we have these times of great repression of black life, you know, during the Jim Crow era, um, during the period of, you know, the early 19th century, particularly around the era of the end of World War One, when there was lots of repression, lynchings, um, exclusion of black people, et cetera. And so the celebrations became smaller and became less public because there was fear of, you know, the KKK, other white terrorists, um, organizations that would punish black people for celebrating their freedom and for celebrating their rights. And um, there was a fear, of course, of losing your job if you were sharecropping and the person who owned the land didn't approve of what you were doing. So they became smaller mm -hmm. um, during the time period. Now, the Great Migration begins, of course, um, there are migrations that begin almost all um, right after slavery in the 1870s, people are moving towards the West, 
what we call um, the exodusters. And then again, around the periods of World War One and World War Two, as Black people are moving to the cities to, you know, to work in industries, defense industry, etc. So it's really, you know, um, in those time periods that you see the, the spreading of it, not only up the Mississippi River towards places like Chicago and St. Louis, etc., but also spreading towards the West, towards California, you have large migrations of people from Texas, um, Louisiana, Arkansas, who are moving to California and bringing um, those kinds of celebrations with them too. And in some cases, you know, people's awareness of what Juneteenth actually is and what it's about is a little spotty. And, you know, I personally didn't learn about Juneteenth until college. And I grew up in Kentucky where we had those Texas history books <laughs> where right. they, you know, thought that benevolent slavery was a real thing. Um, so why do you think that there's been sort of this lack of passing it down in some instances, even in black communities or just a lack of awareness about Juneteenth? Well, you're, you're right when you say that, you know, the way in which African-American history is recorded and taught um, in this country is, is spotty um, at the very best. And so, and then it depends on where you are. If you grew up in Kentucky, then it's, you know, everything that had to do with black people had to do with how it related to Kentucky history. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Virginia. And as far as Virginians are concerned, there is no history itself for Virginia right. history. So, right. you know, yeah. uh, if it didn't happen there, if it didn't start there, then you basically didn't cover it. And so it's with this kind of national reckoning of um, the absence of Black history from textbooks, from the public narrative, et cetera, that we have more and more people learning uh, about Juneteenth, learning about Tulsa, learning about, you know, all the other things that happened in our history that we didn't know about. And so um, you're absolutely correct. It's just the way in which Black history is taught. It just depends on what your own personal history is and the history of um, the locale that you're in and the history yeah. of Black history in this country. Yeah, amen. <laughs> you're right, um, you're right. <laughs> We're going to continue more of this conversation with UCLA's Brenda Stevenson about the history of Juneteenth in just a moment with the effort to make it a national holiday. We'll be right back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love Fast Growing Trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. 
They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Now let's get back to our conversation with UCLA Professor Brenda Stevenson. Professor Stevenson, why do you think it was important for Congress to finally recognize Juneteenth now by voting to make it a federal holiday? Well, I think the more holidays we have to celebrate different peoples in our country and different heritage, the better. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the things we don't do is that we don't see that we are, you know, our diverse country and that every group of people has contributed to the greatness or not of this nation. I do think that um, Black people in particular and other people who have been marginalized within this country um, really want to see recognition of what we've contributed and what we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuck it out in this country and, you know, survived and thrived. But we also want to see more than that. You know, I think mm -hmm. we're at this point, uh, particularly after last year and the ways in which um, the protests with regard to inequalities, particularly in the law, um, have spread throughout the country and the world. We want, we actually, holidays are nice, but I think people also want to see laws. They want to see that George Floyd yeah. policing law passed. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to see equity with regard to housing, mm -hmm. with regard mm -hmm. to healthcare, education, um, et cetera. They want an end to white terrorism against communities of color. I mean, this is what people really want. And a holiday gets you the recognition that, you know, Black people have suffered and that Black people have overcome this suffering, but we're still overcoming it. Mm -hmm. And the laws are, are what we need. The laws and the enforcement of the laws and the equality, the enforcement of equality is what we need to actually move past that suffering. And so I think a lot of people, um, you know, Black people, um, other communities of color, poor people, disabled people, um, LGBTQIA people, etc. everybody wants to feel like we're equal within mm -hmm. our society. Um, and that's much more important than a holiday. Although, it's, again, I enjoy holidays <laughs> very much. <Yeah. laughs> I didn't have to work through all of them, but nonetheless, I like to see the other people really outside cool. having fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I like to wave at them from my window. Right, right, really. right. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are really doing it out there. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, thank you so much for bringing up the past year with the racial reckoning that was sort of spawned by uh, the murder of George Floyd. And mm -hmm. we all saw the protests. We were all involved in the protests. Um, but what role does the celebration and education about Juneteenth play in that activism? I, can you speak to that a little bit further? 
Well, I think it speaks greatly to that activism because first of all, it reminds you that black people were, we were enslaved for, you know, over 200 years. Mm -hmm. um, and with that enslavement, it should also remind people that we helped to build this country. Mm -hmm. You know, every economy that was associated with um, the development of the United States of America, whether or not you're talking about agriculture, whether or not you're talking about shipping, whether or not you're Textiles. talking about banking, yeah. um, taxation, all of that is, was really based on black labor or black bodies with the sale of black people, um, et cetera. Secondly, I, I, it reminds people what had to be done. Mm. Actually, the hold on black people as enslaved people was so tight that a bloody war, you know, one of the yeah. bloodiest wars in American history um, up until the 20th century had to be fought to, you know, to pull some of the ties out of that placement of black people um, in this position of enslavement. And so um, I think it also reminds us that the work is not done. You know, just like we can't really settle on a specific date of emancipation, okay? Right. Um, you know, the work is not done yet. And I think it's, it's really wonderful in a way that we can't specific, we can't tie down that date because it's not finished yet. Mm. Right. You know, it really is not finished yet. I mean, whether or not you're looking at the 13th, 14th, or 15th Amendment, you know, um, whether or not you're looking at the 19th Amendment for women getting the vote, federal vote, et cetera, the, or the civil rights laws of the 60s, et cetera, it's not finished yet. Right. Um, and so to have a specific date of emancipation is probably not appropriate. Yeah, that's right. And, and to that end, um, what lessons from past Juneteenth celebrations should we sort of keep in mind going forward? And to you, what does that mean you think celebrations should actually look like this year? Well, I think celebration should include um, celebration, joy, you know, recognizing the contributions that Black people have made to this country, um, recognizing the allyship that they had because what led to emancipation was the abolitionist movement and the abolitionist movement, um, although not pure, but did bring large numbers of white persons into um, this struggle for emancipation, for a Black emancipation, okay? I also hope that people will take an opportunity to realize the contributions that Black people have made and the suffering that Black people have, um, that we have endured um, during this time period. And the Black people are committed to the project of equality, mm -hmm. you know, and that our fight for equality has helped to liberate other people, mm -hmm. all right? So we look at the civil rights movement, you know, we look at the change in the immigration laws, we look at the ways in which women had to be included as equals within, you know, the marketplace, all those kinds of things. So, you know, getting, liberating one group does not exclude the other group, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. It should not, and it usually does not. And so I think those are kinds of things that we really need to understand when we look at Juneteenth, that we, we're talking about, you know, 4 million people who gained a kind of freedom at that time. Um, it's a project that's not finished. It came at great sacrifice, um, not only to black people, but also to the nation at large with the large numbers of death and destruction of property, et cetera, et cetera. And it was worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's still worth it to make yeah. the sacrifices, not death. I don't believe anybody should have to die for their freedom. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, recognize that this has been a long, long haul. And, um, and lots of people have sacrificed their lives and their careers and um, their peace of mind to try to get us to where we are. We cannot turn back. 
Well, Professor Stevenson, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. That was excellent. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Now that we've talked about the history of Juneteenth, its legacy, and more, let's find out how people are actually going to be celebrating this year. Yeah, we had some listeners let us know what they are going to get up to this weekend. Hi, this is Dia Barry Mitchell from Dallas, Texas, and I will be celebrating Juneteenth in Joppy, one of the last remaining Freedmen's towns settled by formerly enslaved men and women. And coincidentally, Joppy also held the first Juneteenth festivities in Dallas. Happy Juneteenth! Peace and love, everyone. My name is Kadeem Phillip. I'm an artist from Brooklyn, New York. And for Juneteenth this year, I'll be hosting my latest art gallery entitled Colors. Colors is a series dedicated to appreciating women. It was sparked by the women that played a major important role in my life. And it's a portrait series basically showing my love, appreciation for those who have inspired me, motivated me, and really taught me so much about life. Hi, my name is Danielle. I'm from Texas, and for Juneteenth, I'm going to be watching Black content creators and streamers that I enjoy. I'm Derek Cottingham, and I'm from the South and currently reside in Los Angeles, California. I'm gonna be bringing in Juneteenth with close friends, great food, great drinks, and just really great music. I do this every year where me and some of my closest friends, we do a potluck. I'll bring the fried green tomatoes, the mac and cheese, and we just enjoy each other's company and we celebrate our freedom. That sounds like a lot of fun, uh, specifically the one with the mac and cheese. I wish I was invited to that cookout, but I'm going to try to make my own. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah. like it's going to be lit. Amazing weekends all around. Um, really happy people are getting together safely. That sounds awesome. Well, one more thing before we go, there's more you can find out about Juneteenth by checking out other crooked pods. Like on Hysteria, Congresswoman Gwen Moore talks about the effort in Congress to make Juneteenth a national holiday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. That is all for today. If you'd like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just corporations acknowledging this holiday 150 years too late <laughs> like me, what it is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. We'll be taking a break on Monday, so talk to you again next Tuesday. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and have, have a happy, happy Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Please make that mac and cheese and potato salad. All sounds great. Uh, I will eat all of it if you offer. <laughs> you're invited to the cookout, Gideon. Thank you. <laughs> What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Adidas, Elf Cosmetics, and Lego. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. You can save on everything you need for summer like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it.